Good evening and welcome to Slam the Gavel, the show that tells it all regarding family court, other court issues, as well as CPS. I am your host, Marianne Petrie. This episode of Slam the Gavel is sponsored by CPS Protect Consulting Services. A child protective services case is one of the most frightening experiences for any parent. Don't face it alone. Face it with confidence with urgent assist by CPS Protect. You can have access to former CPS investigators to make sure you preserve your rights and protect your family. If you're facing CPS involvement and aren't sure where to turn, their child welfare consultants can help you. Visit cpsprotect.com forward slash subscribe and enter the coupon code slam the gavel for 10% off your first year of urgent assist. And this is also available in all 50 states. I have another announcement. Bradley's mother, Narcus Golan, passed away in the fall of 2022. Bradley is autistic and needs structured routine and therapies he receives for his autism six days a week. However, Italy just entrusted Bradley to the Italian social services. If he is ruled to go back, he will face the next three to four years in the Italian foster care system, where he can't speak or understand the language. He will then be taken away from the only family he has ever known. Please call Governor Hochul, New York State, 518-474-8390. That's Governor Hochul at 518-474-8390 to please keep Bradley here and safe in these United States. Hashtag keep Bradley safe. Also, please sign the petition at pleasedoyourjob.com. That's pleasedoyourjob.com. I have a return guest on. I have Johnny McNeil back on. He was last on the podcast April 27th of 2023, season four, episode 83. And he's a book author. We discussed his book, Gaslighting Gilligan, and why families and society are being destroyed. And we talked also a little bit about the dark triad of narcissism and a little bit more of of that as well. And I welcome you back on, Johnny. I know, how are you? What's the weather like over there now, all the way in Scotland? It's uh, thanks for having me back on, Marianne. It's um, it's through it at the minute. It is peeing it down at the minute. Um, however, up until a week ago, we had the most glorious weather for two weeks or so. Absolutely, absolutely fantastic. It was um, just heaven on earth. Um, I so and that's unfortunately though it was such great weather that. Um, yeah, I got out of my mountain bike and I came a cropper on one of the local hills. And, um, yeah, ended up an accident and emergency, but <laughs> healing, healing. Well, that, I'm healing. glad you're healing because you had a bad bicycle accident. Yeah, so I opened up my elbow. Um, uh, so that was an open fracture. Took a part of the bone off. Um, I dislocated my shoulder. And uh, crashed into my rib cage as well. So that it was my right side. I basically took the full brunt. But the um, and I still, I still, rather than calling out Mountain Rescue, I, uh, I still managed to. I mean, I knew I was going into shock. I knew what to expect. Ex army. Uh-huh. So, um, so I was able to keep my my head together and walk off the hill, and uh, walk into A and E, and they were fantastic. Um, and then I was operated on so that was two weeks ago today. They operated on my elbow, and so I'm just healing now. Oh, right. poor thing. We're made, we're made of stern stuff, us Scots. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, going back to this dark triad of narcissism, mm. I know we kind of just touched on that 
in the last podcast. Yeah. So the um, so the dark triad, as I say, it's um, uh, 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 you know, it's recognized. The term is recognized by and used by the psychiatric profession, um, and it is the the traits, the characteristic traits of Machiavellianism. Narcissism is psychopathy, sociopathy. So anybody that essentially possesses those three traits um, is said to be the full house, the full dark triad. Um, and so I developed my model um, for the, the fascist hate state, and I, I um, called this fictitious state UK. So fictitious state called it narcissistate as an estate of narcissism mm. um and that you know because it's 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 narcissistate whereas orwell terms you know the britain and ireland airstrip one um a lot of what we are um, witnessing today around the world in terms of policy and propaganda in terms of family court corruption and in terms of propaganda which is dividing families dividing the masses emanates from the what was the British Empire um, and are still being played out today. Um, so narcissistic, like the typical narcissist, likes to put themselves at the centre of attention of everything and everything has to revolve around them. Mm-hmm. The dark triad model, it's exactly the same principles. You know, everything must revolve around, you know, this, 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 um, troublesome figure that, that yes. needs all the attention and needs all everybody's resources and um and so yes yeah, so i developed the uh, the model from that with its individual so you've got the um the six drivers with the policy and um uh propaganda driven um and the the the, the proper the policy propaganda aspects were in uk were, were austerity our austerity uh, Brexit, so the patriotic element, and the Istanbul Convention. Um, now, I was able to I was able to pick up on these because I was following the Istanbul Convention. That's the U- United Nations policy on for the protection of women from mm. men. Essentially, it tells us basically that uh, um, you know all women are victims of men around the world. Um, but what it is, in actual fact, is a dehumanizing, demonizing propaganda trope, which is actually going to be used or, or is intended to be used um, should they ever get their escalation trigger and whereby they can replay the same playbooks that we saw in Imperial Britain in World War One, and in Weimar going into Nazi Germany in World War Two, and whereby... They use the shame, they use the gender roles and the demonization, dehumanization to guilt trip men into military uniform. And right, yeah, right. Yeah. Because yeah. we talked about the white feather and yeah. guys going off to war, or if they didn't go, then they would be handed a white feather. That's correct. So that was the so that was the suffragettes um who in UK um were uh, you know, a theater, they were protesting because they didn't have the vote at the time. Women didn't have the vote. Um, and, you know, but, but neither did uh, working class men. You only got the vote if you owned property, you know. Um, and so, you know, millions of working class men didn't have the vote either. Um, 
And so they were, but but to be fair, it was by and large men who did have that because it was men who owned the property, you mm -hmm. know. Mm -hmm. So, of course, that was all a fix. So you had the white feather women uh, who who were basically came out of or formed out of the suffragette movement. And as they became ever more militant, they were permissioned to walk up to young men of fighting age on the street. Um, and if they weren't in uniform, they were allowed to pin a white feather on them mm -hmm. as a mark of cowardice. And tell them to get to, you know, get to the registration office and, and, and sign up, you know, go and fight for your country. And this was against the backdrop of all this. There's, there's literally thousands of propaganda posters um, that were principally in, in, in uh, Imperial Britain, Canada, Australia, New Zealand, whereby the use of gender um, to shame men into uniform was was prevalent throughout those propaganda posters. Um and so what you had then was essentially the White Feather Women, the White Feather Brigade, as some of them became to be known. Um, there's a good piece of work by Nicolette, Professor Nicoletta Galace, I think her name is, G-U-L-L-A-C-E. She wrote a piece about the White Feather Brigade, essentially talking about the things I've just discussed. Mm -hmm. um, but of course, what the academics haven't put together is the revival of these playbooks through modern technology, through subliminal propaganda as it was prior to the Me Too movement becoming a conscious thing. And that's what I was tracking, you see, in media. I was tracking what was the forerunner to the propaganda forerunner to the conscious, in-your-face, overt construct, which became Me Too. So that's why Me Too isn't mentioned in the book because I put the book out in June mm -hmm. 2017, whereas Me Too didn't become a thing until October 2017. So, but I make reference to the Istanbul Convention, I make reference to the gender agenda and the, the division of society through the LGB construct, through, um, you know, demonizing men, dehumanizing men. Um, through, through, you know, through the gender agenda itself. So Me Too is in the book, but just not by name, you know. Um, and the the trigger, we're seeing the trigger today, or the attempt at the trigger, you know, misogyny out there. There is, um, the, the misogyny is projected across media, but that then is supposed to be represented of society as, as a whole, with men as a whole in society. But it's not, it's just part of the dehumanisation aspect. And so what you've got through rampant sexism and the normalization of misandry to essentially vilify men, um, which isn't recognized at the moment en masse, um, who are essentially, you know, unbeknownst to them, being steered, being channeled towards a military uniform. And hence, that's why the family courts go to such lengths to destroy the family, and I think principally to separate fathers from sons. Um, because once the father figure is out of the family, there is more chance of those kids becoming destabilised in future. And not only that, repeating the same patterns time after time, generation after generation. So over there in Scotland, they're primarily giving the kids to the mothers. 
Yeah, um, that uh, and England is England and Wales as well. Um, same and Britain wide, primarily um, in a breakup, the the children will will go to the mothers. Um, I I believe that's the same. Um, although not to as uh, I, I see a lot of examples in the US uh, where where it could be fifty uh, fifty, you know, between the way they they they. Um, destroy the family over there. In Australia, I think, again, it's predominantly the um, the mothers are awarded custody. Um, but in UK, by and large, certainly, mothers are awarded custody. And that is to um, enhance um, the prospects of breaking uh, that the, the single mother unit you know, because without the father, without the, the, the male role model, the positive male, male role model, um, fathers in a lot of time are basically given, you know, punitive, um, well, yeah, they're, they're essentially, I think it's something like two thirds of their wages are are paid into, you know, the, 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 the ex-wife's account to, to, for the upkeep of their children. I, I think as well, but I, I will say this because I believe it's true. Um, so if a man remarries, not only will his wages be taken into account in terms of the upkeep of his children from his former marriage, but so will his wife's, his new wife's wages. Mm. So there's kind of there's this double whammy mm-hmm. from his new partner. So that puts additional financial pressure on his new marriage. You know, in order to pay the, the the ex, and and what this has done, darkly, very very darkly, is incentivized uh, women in UK certainly to once they've had enough of the husband that they're married to, and they've got children, then they're quids in. You know, they can't fail. You know. Um, and that is a dark way to look at it, but that's just that's just how how it is. And one of the when I, I was very impressed actually when I was watching one of your other podcasts with uh, was it Rob and Jamie uh, Jolly Cure Jolly Cure, mm-hmm. I thought they were very impressive. Clearly, they've been through a lot, and they've managed. You know, they've stuck together, um, and they've been at the heart of you know this the family court corruption. Mm-hmm. social services and what they've tried to do, not only in terms of the original attempts to destroy their family, but also the cover-ups, you know, the subsequent cover-ups that have taken place after the fact. Um, and what people haven't quite understood, I think we all get it from kind of entertainment, that when there's an exchange of a drug deal, drug trafficking deal or a people trafficking deal, that once the delivery is made, then the payment takes place. Mm-hmm. You know, the state does it differently. Mm-hmm. The state actually makes payments in advance, right? So what they do is they incentivize behaviors through financial greed, right? So they invent, they incentivize the destruction of the family by providing individual social services employees and agencies with extra money, extra funding. Should the family be split? And so 
the payment yeah. isn't take, taking place after the fact. The payment, the incentive, the payment is in essence taking place before it. Now, what a lot of people think or perceive is, is that these behaviors are happening because of the money. Mm -hmm. The behaviors are happening because the state wants people trafficking to happen. It wants child trafficking to happen. The money is just the incentive. It's, and that's what camouflages the entire, you know, human trafficking construct, child trafficking construct. Because people think that the money is the, uh, the goal. The money isn't the goal. The, 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 the goal is what comes out of it, is the actual behaviour that come out of it. The human trafficking, the division of families, the splitting up of families. And so when you incentivize one partner or the other, or an agency or an individual within an, uh, you know, a, a child support agency, then they've got every reason in the world. You know, if they are, you know, dark, dark triad type characters, and there are a lot of them out there. I mean, I realized it was just, just popped into my head the other day. Um, you know, the, uh, I, I think it's something like, um, you're never more than, you're never more than 50 meters, you're never more than 156 feet or whatever it is, away from a rat in an urban area, right? Well, I think the same goes for narcissists. I oh. think the same goes, you know, for, for dark triad type characters because there are so many out there, especially, especially when a lot of these individuals within these, these child service agencies, um, for them so far, there's been no consequences. Mm -mm. There's never been any consequences. They're still able to cover up their crimes. Um, that's coming to an end. And I should say this is all fairly doom and gloom, um, which is unfortunate, but that's just how life is. Um, what I should add, just to give people hope, is that um, the, the entire construct will fill. They will not get their escalation trigger via Ukraine um, in that particular narrative, uh, which we can't mention. Um, yeah. Yeah. So, yeah, the family courts aspect is just a way of feeding, of breaking children, of breaking parents, of suiciding fathers. And, and mothers, too. I, I, yes, and mothers, you know, uh, and mothers, too. Listen, <laughs> state, you know, the cartel, the family courts cartel, they don't necessarily discriminate. Mm -hmm. between, you know, men and women, uh, or mothers and fathers, um, in terms of the destruction of the family unit. It just so happens to be that I perceive that in UK, the principal aim, UK and Australia in particular, the principal aim is to separate fathers from sons mm -hmm. in order to specifically break those boys, those young boys, make them seek role models, and they've got a choice between either gangs. Um, they could go to youth clubs if they can find positive you know, role models in youth clubs. But then those youth clubs, by and large as well, will, will steer them towards the military. Mm -hmm. You know, they become of a certain age and they can't be part of the youth club anymore. <clears throat> yeah. 
Um, there was a case, I think it was about maybe two to three years ago, where in family court, a mother had a heart attack and died right there in the courtroom in England. And there was also in the article that I read that, you know, the paramedic was called. Somehow he didn't bring a defibrillator with him and he was walking very slow. Maybe he thought, oh, it's probably just a criminal, you know, that, you know, I'm going into the yeah. courthouse, you know. Even at that, it's no excuse. Right. No. No. It's, um, it's a bizarre thing because, I mean, you don't want to think that, you know, a court attendee, you know, you know, would be involved, but you can't rule it out either. Mm -hmm. um, I mean, for instance, again, a lot of people haven't cottoned on to this. They will. I've uh, written about it extensively. Um, the whole, um, and I wouldn't blame a lot of people for switching off, actually, because, you know, it was an entertainment thing. But the whole Johnny Depp, Amber Heard trial mm -hmm. aspect um, he was being stitched up. There's no two ways about that. And I think they were always going to hang out celebrities to dry in order to paint these celebrities as being representative of all men being abusive towards women. Um, in UK, uh, it was actually an action against the Sun newspaper. It had nothing to do with Amber Head. It had something to do with Amber Head. She was loosely involved, but she didn't give evidence um at that because it wasn't about her, it was about what was said in the sun. Um, so it was a, a case between Johnny Depp and the Sun. But the way that was portrayed in the UK media was a win for Amber Heard. Mm. Right. Um, and then after that, no, and the, the 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 connections between the judge, uh, the the some of the evidence which he allowed and some of the evidence which he didn't allow. Mm -hmm. um, was just farcical. It was kangaroo court stuff in itself. Um, and then the trial in America took place, which was directly between the, the pair of them and defamation, which was proven. Mm -hmm. um, and um, But you've still got this machine behind Amber Heard, you know, that's... and, and um, Still decrying Johnny Depp as an abuser and Amber Heard as you know as the as the angel. Um, well, a lot of so, people think over here that you know she has set domestic violence victims back at least a good twenty years. Yeah, uh, absolutely. And um, but had it gone to plan, had the trigger, the original trigger, occurred in twenty seventeen, with all that carnage, with all that chaos. And here, we, you know, because a similar thing happened to, so the former leader of the SNP, the Scottish National Party, Alex Salmond, he went through something similar to Depp beforehand. Um, and so they manufactured the SNP between the, the SNP infiltrators, the British state courts, uh, and the police manufactured witnesses. They got witnesses to make up stories which never, some of which never tallied. Um, 13 charges, I think, in all. He was being put up on, sent up on. The trial took place via media. Kangaroo court trial took place via media before a single day, you know, in the court itself took place. 
So you had Scotland split. You know, you had the, the independence movement split straight away on that narrative alone. He was acquitted. Um, and because he hadn't done anything, it was all fabricated. And Nicola Sturgeon, who was who's since resigned as, as, as leader, she was 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 key to that. Um, and Nicola Sturgeon, before she resigned, was also um, key to introducing the transgender, so the LGBT. So not only do you have men and women split on the Alex Salmon case, you had then the women split on across the LGBT narrative aspect and the transgender self-ID, uh, gender rights, um, or what did they call it, um, gender right, gender reform bill. Um, and so you had more kind of divide and conquer messaging, which was brought into the fray, just as, um, you know, Scotland was on the cusp of, of, of perhaps securing independence. But coming back to my original point, which I've wandered off, had it all gone to plan in 2017, Depp would never have got his day in court. Alex Salmon would be in prison now. Because in Scotland, what they're also doing is trying at the moment still to remove child by jury right for a man accused of accused of sexual assault or rape or domestic abuse. And this is in Scotland? They're trying to... This is in Scotland. They're trying to remove so a judge-only trial. And if that had succeeded way back when they originally were trying to implement it, going to implement it after 2017, Alex Salmon would be in jail now. Um, his whole legacy destroyed. So, and that's the thing, in the 21st century, you can't hang and you can't hang drawn quarter your enemies anymore like they did with William Wallace. Mm -hmm. You know? So what you do is you hang drawn quarter his reputation oh, and you destroy yeah. his legacy, you know, in the eyes of the world. And there's no simpler way to do that than to say you're a rapist, you know. Um and and so this is so the accusation alone, it's still not um it's still not, um, it's not gone through, it's not been passed yet, but they're, they're trying um, to essentially remove men's human rights in that regard, due process um, for uh, rape, sexual assault, domestic violence, ac accusations of <clears throat> for a judge-only a judge -only trial, which is just... Is that also... Um, like, would that also take place in family court? Do they handle over there? Do they handle domestic violence and yeah, absolutely in the family court? But yeah, but they because, have a jury or yeah. no? Uh, no, that's that. no, that's only in no. court. Yeah, that's only yeah, that's only kind of criminal trials. Um, it's uh, uh, magistrate magistrate led, you know. Um, and that's that's the thing. As soon as when it get, gets into you know kind of divorce proceedings, um, or um, you know yeah divorce proceedings, um, soon as and, and if, by and large, if a man says she's abusing me, uh, this is an abusive relationship. He'll be ignored. He'll be he'll be ignored. But as soon as the woman says he's abusing me, 
it's all hands to the pump. She gets every piece of support. In fact, so to the point, they're incentivized to say, yeah, he's abusing me. And straight away in Spain, I don't know if it's the same in England at the moment, but certainly in Spain, as soon as the accusation is made, the man's out of the house. Mm-hmm. He's ejected out of the house straight away, not allowed to return. Um, it's, you know, Kafkaesque stuff, Orwellian stuff. Mm-hmm. And um, police state, it's fascism. Or, you know, cultural Marxism, depending on what... But for me, tyranny is tyranny is tyranny. You know, right. um, I recognize it as fascism because I understood how fascism also destroys the family unit in order to feed children, to feed young men and children in general towards the state, be it prisons, um, be it um, military. Um, but a lot of people call that cultural Marxism, which is the same, same playbook. Mm-hmm. But those who have a right wing tendency like to call it cultural Marxism, you know. Because to to admit otherwise, to admit their own beliefs um, are achieving the same destructive goals, well, then what does that make them? What have they fallen for their entire lives? You know, they've got to then question their own identity and their own beliefs. People don't like doing that. Mm-hmm. You know, um, and that's where I, you know, I'm, people can see this for themselves. They can see this thing going on around the world, around the Western world, these same practices, the same corruption in media, in courts, politics. But yet they still can't seem to get their heads around how contrived, how orchestrated it is, how deliberate it is, um, how manipulative it is. It's not a coincidence. It cannot be coincidence. Mm-hmm. It's just too similar at the same time. So you know? it's, it's kind of rigged, such as the family court system. Yeah, our reality is we live in an actual matrix. <laughs> you know, it is an actual matrix. Um, and <laughs> again, I mean, there's even a mention of one of the uh, Matrix films. There's even a mention of Me Too. I mean, the, the, the symbolism is, is just it's out there. It really is something else. Um, I struggle. Sometimes I will watch a film now that, you know, the chances are there'll be no something I don't even have to think about. <laughs> yeah. Because sometimes I'll catch myself going, oh, right. Oh, yeah. Very good. Very, you know, very clever. Um, and so it's hard not to watch some of the, um, some films these days. Mm-hmm. Uh, certainly a sci fi, sci fi horror. Um, yeah. It's, um, it's impressive. I mean, I shouldn't say that, but it's, it's it's impressive, you know. I guess we've all got a dark side, you know. So, mm-hmm. um, but those of us who are able to keep a lid, you know, and I recognise our dark side, um, to keep a lid on it, um, that that's far healthier than people who who won't recognise and play and, and allow their dark side to, uh, you know, to run rampant. <clears throat> um, yeah, so you know, well, I, we've, co- we've covered a lot there. <laughs> well, you know, if, if, if anyone's interested, a really super good book is Living and Working with Evil People, A Survival Guide. 
and it, it kind of talks about you know this kind of kind of stuff and it's written by eric l nelson phd but mm-hmm. it's living and working with evil people and i wish i would have read that a long time ago the um i mean working is probably if it's a boss then oh yeah you can do about it you're screwed you know you're right um, <laughs> you know but if it's somebody that you're living with um there's only one solution get the hell out mm-hmm. they're never gonna change no you know never gonna change um yeah i found that to to, to my cost um but i guess that that's all been part of this journey you know mm-hmm. um gasoline gilling free download um yeah so um it's just a a, a basic pdf format um and essentially, I take you through a journey of how um, the protagonist, um, Brian Williams. Brian Williams, by the way, is the same is the one character in Gaslight and Gilligan. But I took those, those names. So in the film Gaslight, uh, 1944, mm-hmm. <coughs> Ingrid Bergman, if I remember rightly. Mm-hmm. It's, I think it's an American detective who's working for Scotland Yard, Brian and P.C. Williams, who's a policeman, who helps him. And between the two of them, they, they um, suss what um, the, um, the husband's trying to do to the wife in Gaslight. Mm-hmm. Um, so you've got Brian Williams. I put the two names together, so from Brian, the detective, and P.C. Williams, a policeman. So I put the two names together to form this character, Brian Williams, um, who essentially narrates you through how breaking children um, turns them, potentially turns them into this evil, you know. Um, not always, but certainly can uh, do that in order to perpetuate time after time after time, the same behaviours, generation after generation. Mm-hmm. Mm. Well, I'm mm. glad you popped back on the show. And uh, it was great talking to you. And I'd like to have you back on again. Um, I'd love to be back. And how would how can people reach you? Yeah, so through gaslightandgilligan.com, where you can download the book. And there's a, a comment form in there as well that, uh, you know, people can reach me on. Um, feel free uh, to donate. There's no obligation, but feel free to uh, donate. And... Um, Aye, that will get me a whiskey. Actually, yeah. I've, I've been off. I've been off the uh, the whiskey these last couple of months, so I'm doing doing quite well. Taking a little break. My daughter inspired me to um, take a break from from the uh, from the whiskey for a wee while, from beer altogether. So two months dry. <laughs> and you're probably a lot lighter. <laughs> yeah, well, I've, I've managed to lose a few pounds as well. Um, <laughs> yeah, crashing off my mountain bike, <laughs> I think probably contributed towards that. I think my my heart was going like the clappers. You know, um, but yeah, so you can get me through uh, gaslightandgilligan.com. I want to ask uh, if any uh, viewers are going to share my stuff, please do so. Please, please take the links and share share my my work, but don't include um, my um, Twitter address because as soon as my uh, Twitter address is included, then the 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 post will get automatically get suppressed. Because my Gaslight and Gilligan account, uh, Twitter account, and Facebook uh, got like shadow bans on me. Both have been suppressed. So please share, share away. Um, don't include any of my handles on. 
on, okay. on, on the show. Well, hey, uh, don't jump off. Salam the Gavels, a podcast to help the public understand what really goes on in these family courtrooms. I am your host, Marianne Petrie, author of Dismantling Family Court Corruption, Why Taking the Kids Was Not Enough, and Cry Out for Justice, Poems of Truth. And please join us again here with John McNeil in the future and other exciting guests. Thank you so much. Thank you very much indeed, Marianne, for having me on. A lot of people won't touch me with a barge pole, so kudos to you. Oh, thank you. (laughs) 